Welcome to another episode of the Millennial Momentum Podcast. Implementing extreme ownership requires checking your ego and operating with a high degree of humility. Admitting mistakes, taking ownership, and developing a plan to overcome challenges are integral to any successful team. That quote is by the one and only Jocko Willink from his book, Extreme Ownership. And it's a good way to start off the conversation that I had today with Ryan Mickler, who's the founder of Order of Man. And we're going to get to his story in a second, but for those of you who may not be familiar, this may be your first time with the podcast. Um, my name is Tommy Tahoe Alemo, and I am here to help you uh, take your game to the next level. And I know that the millennials are known for being lazy and entitled and only want their avocado toast. And I, I just know that's simply not true. Uh, and the way that we can you know, be ambitious and get 1% better every day is through hard work, a great attitude, and a little momentum, which is forward motion with energy. Right? And I think with those three things, anything is possible. And hopefully this podcast is a way for you to get a little momentum whether you want to make more money or get a promotion or be healthier, happier, more fulfilled, wherever it is you're seeking, you know, I hope that, that I can help with that journey. And this is my journey too, and, and I'm really grateful that you're joining me. Uh, you know, One piece of housekeeping I want to talk about, and then we're going to get straight into the interview, is we saw on my Instagram, at Tommy Tahoe, got a little September challenge going on, a giveaway uh, for anyone that goes in to wherever you listen iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. If you subscribe and leave a review, it does two things. It, it helps this podcast to reach more people. That's the goal. I want to help as many people as possible. Um, but it also enters you for the giveaway. If you do that and you take a little screenshot and send it to me at thomasalamo7 at gmail.com, T-H-O-M-A-S-A-L-A. IMO7 at gmail.com. You'll be entered for a giveaway, 100 bucks to one of the uh, contestants at the end of the month. So, two, two minutes of effort for 100 bucks. That's a pretty good ROI. Uh, I don't know where else you're doing that. So, uh, thank you for that. Thank you for listening. Full show notes on tomalamo.com. Um, let's get into Ryan Mickler. So, that quote from Jocko Willink summed it up about extreme ownership. And, you know, in 2007, Ryan Mickler's life had hit a snag. You know, he had a failing business. He had recently separated from his wife with, you know, plans that that marriage was, might end. Uh, and his whole life seemed off track. You know, he, he's an Iraq combat veteran. Salute to him on that. My first veteran on the, sh on the show. And he never grew up with a father, father figure. And he had plenty of excuses of why his life had become so difficult, whether it was um, you know, being in the army or you know, the fact that he didn't have a father figure, the fact that you know, he could have blamed his wife for all these things. And he had every excuse to make and choice to, chose to avoid them. He looked internally and said you know, he needed to take ownership for the failures in his life. Um, and with it, whether it was his business or his marriage, he needed to be more disciplined. He needed to be more accountable. Um, and then over time, he took the actions to make those things happen, and you know, all those phases in his life began to improve. And you know, as he's telling the story of his low and, and how he got better to other people, other men, you know, they opened up and said they had similar struggles around this. And, and how do I become a better father, husband, employee, business owner, 
just a better man. And uh, thus, Ryan started Order of Man, which is a community and resource for men to become better. He's got a blog, podcast. He's got a little mastermind group, the Iron Council. So um, I think the, the common misconception when you hear that is that you think it might be just a, a group of you know, misogynistic ideas and bros about you know, which protein shake do, should I drink. Um, that's hardly the case. You know, Some of the things that I took away, this isn't from Ryan. This is just from what I think about what he's doing and his opinion of what a real man is. But you know, a few things that stick out are like you know, men, they exert discipline in their life. They, they place a high emphasis on serving their communities, their family, their friends, their employees. They're accountable. They exhibit extreme ownership. They have purpose and clarity. That's what you know. Ryan talks about. Um, you know, he talks about men being protectors and providers and presiders, and um, not letting fear dictate the way you live. And we talked about all this. We talked about his journey. How can we become better men? Um, what that means. We get deep into goal setting. It was a really good conversation. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to stop rambling and get you right into my conversation with Ryan Mickler. Enjoy. Ryan Mickler, welcome to the show, man. Hey, what's going on? Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm fired up for this one. Actually, my first veteran that's been on the show, so I want to start off just by thanking you for, for your service and, and everything you've done for, for the country. Yeah, well, that's that's my honor. That's uh, that's cool. I'm the first veteran on the show. How many shows have you done now? At this point, I actually just put out episode 66 today. Okay. Wow, out of 66. Okay, good. I, f- I feel good about that, man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm working to I'm working a few others, but I'm 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 continually inspired by people that have been able to do that and have the discipline and ev- all of the qualities that it takes to, you know, be in any form of the military. So, um a lot of respect and obviously appreciation for for what you've done. Thank you. Thank you. I want to get into a little bit of the background. I know some of your story, but maybe I'd, I'd like for you to fill in some of the blanks and maybe create some context around Order of Man. Uh, you know, I know that you had somewhat of a, a rough childhood in the sense of not really having a father figure, and that has propelled um, propelled you as you're a father now, and um, obviously post-war and, and trying to figure out you know what path to take, that that kind of is what spurred Order of Man and helping other people that may have been in a similar situation, helping your sons um, and helping, you know, people like myself who I do have a father figure, but I could learn how to be better and and take my life to the next level. So I'd love to hear from you just on how your background and and maybe how you grew up has spurred to be the man you are today. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I grew up without a, without a permanent father figure in my life. My dad uh, was out of the picture primarily by the time I was three years old. I had a couple of stepfathers come into my life, one when I was nine and the other when I was 13. And both were less than stellar examples of what it meant to be a man. And so I really struggled and floundered. It, it really didn't manifest itself until I got married and I started to have kids and I had no idea how a husband shows up, how a father shows up. And so I really floundered. I really struggled. Um, my wife and I went through a separation or a separation for a short period of time. Uh, and, and that, that time as dark and challenging as it was, was really the catalyst for growth in my life. For a long time, I blamed her, uh, for the struggles in our marriage. You know, how could she do this? Why was she disloyal? Why didn't she appreciate me or see all the hard work and the things that I was doing to provide for the family? And so I pushed and and all the the burden of responsibility on her. 
And I remember during that separation, I came to the conclusion that, you know, maybe I've got something to, to do with this, uh, with this challenge in our relationship. And I began to take responsibility for the things that I could control, which was myself and how I was showing up. I was unhappy. I was overweight and out of shape. The business was struggling. Uh, I wasn't consuming new information. I didn't have purpose and drive and clarity about what I wanted. And so all of the negativity that comes from that, I imposed on her. And she'd be the first to tell you that she had things and areas in which she needed to improve as well. But, you know, there's just nothing I can do about another human being. I can influence other people. You know, you and I are doing this podcast and people are listening and hopefully they're being influenced and deciding to improve their lives because they're listening. But ultimately it's their decision, right? We can't, we can't impose that upon them. They have to decide to be influenced. And what I found is that the better and the more that I could focus on myself and improve how I was showing up, new information into my brain, getting in shape, having purpose, having clarity, learning how to communicate more effectively, uh, those are the things that make us more influential. And what was really fascinating is as I went on this journey to improve myself, she she responded to that. Because up until that point, it was about me trying to manipulate her. How could I get her to change? How could I get her to do this? If only she would do X, Y, and Z, then our marriage would be better. And yet every time I tried to control her, I drove a greater wedge between her and I. Uh, when I went to work at myself is when she started to be attracted to that. And I think that's that's how all human beings operate. The reason people are attracted to this podcast is because they enjoy what you and your guests have to say. The reason that uh, an employer has great employees is because uh, that that they're attracted to that leader or that boss. And so they work harder and they have more purpose and clarity and vision behind what they're doing. So it's it's about improving yourself. And was there, I know you mentioned the separation, but was there a specific moment or a specific person that made the light bulb go off and you're like, oh shit, this, this isn't just her. This is about actually about me. And you know, I, I need to be accountable for this. Yeah. Well, there, the specific moment was beginning to believe that the marriage was over. I, I didn't want to come to terms with that, but we had been in our separation and things were going nowhere. It was kind of felt like a stalemate a little bit. And I was driving down the road and I just thought to myself, you know, this is, this is too bad, but this, this marriage is, is likely over. And as difficult as that was to wrestle with, it was really the catalyst for change in my life and the way that I've improved over the past nearly a decade now. Uh, because at that moment, I thought to myself, if this marriage is over, then I'm going to be the next greatest catch for the, for, the, for the next woman to come into my life. And that's where I began to work on myself and realized how powerful it was to turn inward as opposed to focusing on external factors that we have no control over. Interesting. Yeah, that's heavy. And that's goes to, it's probably a cliche um, metaphor, but when you're on the airplane, they say, you know, put your, uh, your own breathing mask on before you help and assist a child or the person next to you. Um, and I think that that's huge that you can't, help a relationship or help your business or help team you're on until you're in the right spot mentally and physically and, and you're, you yourself are, are better. That's yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, you can't, and, and the, the thing that we hear a lot is you can't pour from an empty cup. And yet that's what we do all the time. You know, we try, try to provide and we try to be uh, the, the emotional and physical and mental support and, Unfortunately, we end up burning ourselves out because we haven't focused on ourselves enough to be able to give 
or have any capacity to give because we just, we, we don't have it. So you've got to find a way to take care of yourself. And that was before or after you launched Order of Man? Is that what propelled you to start the business or, or when did that come into play? Yeah. So that was, <clears throat> let's see, I'm just trying to th- think about the timeline here a little bit. That was 2007, 2008. And then I didn't launch the podcast until seven years later. So 2015. So I actually, at that time, I owned a financial planning practice and I continued to work the practice. And as I continued to work on myself and read books and put myself in the right situations and get in shape and all the things that we talked about, uh, my, my business actually really, really started to take off. And I started a podcast around the financial planning practice. It was called Wealth Anatomy, and it was focused on helping uh, healthcare professionals with their financial services. And I realized that I really enjoyed the medium of podcasting, but I just didn't want to continue to have the conversation I was having and had for the past decade or so. So I, uh, I shifted gears. I, instead of running that podcast, I shifted over to Order of Man. And the reason I did that is because I was having conversations with my friends primarily and other guys who had gone through similar struggles as me. And as I shared some of the stories about the separation and near divorce and the struggles in business and everything else that I had gone through, dad wasn't around, that kind of stuff. Uh, I had a ton of guys who were like, yeah, me too. I've dealt with that too. Oh yeah. I didn't know I was, I, I thought I was the only one. And uh, sharing my story was really the catalyst for change in a lot of guys' lives. And I realized, man, I could actually do a podcast and and help a lot of people through this amazing medium we have to connect with other people called a podcast. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like the number one way now that you can influence people and get your message out there. It's crazy how it's grown, but it sounds like you were in, in, in the earlier stages of, of podcasting. Yeah. I mean, I, st- I don't know if it's early necessarily. I mean, there's podcasts that have been around for a decade now, but uh, I started in 2015. So, you know, three and a half years or so I, I, we've been doing this. And so I think a misconception that you get and that you would probably agree to is that, I mean, you, you put yourself as a target a little bit when you say, you know, I'm teaching you or my goal is to teach other people how to become more of a man. And I think people uh, get a little defensive about that off the bat and think that you're just saying, all right, you have to, if you don't lift 10,000 pounds and eat nails for breakfast and, you know, all of this like super macho stuff like that, they would assume that's what you're talking about. But I think you have a lot more depth to that. I mean, you've already, you've been talking about purpose and clarity and vision and communication a lot. So I, I guess as an opportunity to maybe break the stereotype and get people off the defense that may not be familiar with you, or how would you find what being a true man is? Yeah. Well, let me, let me break some of that down a little bit. Cause I don't eat nails and I don't lift 10,000 pounds. So <laughs> it's like, I don't, but I, I know where you're coming from. And the other side of this too, is I've never said that I'm going to teach you how to be a better man. My job, the way that I look at it is that I can provide tools, resources, thoughts, insights, uh, stories, conversations that will equip you with the tools you need to become the man that you're capable of becoming. I can't define specifically how you're going to do that. I can share my framework. Uh, I can share the things that have worked well for me. And ultimately, those ideas and stories and conversations and the things that I can give and the things that I can share are going to attract certain people. And other people are going to be turned off by that. And that's okay. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. There's seven plus billion people on the planet. I don't need to win over half of the 
population, which is comprised of men, I, I, it's it's not that's not the goal. The goal is to find men who are struggling, who have gone through scenarios and situations like I have, who agree with what I have to share and want to join me in the mission to uh, become better men. So, so that's my ultimate goal. Now, with regards to your, your, the second part of your question, which is what does it mean to be a man? Well, I believe a man is a protector, he's a provider, and he's a presider, which is synonymous with leadership. Uh, we've, we've been biologically hardwired to perform exceptionally well in those scenarios. And the more that we can step into those roles and the more clarity and focus and tools and skills that we have that will help us step more fully into those roles, the more fulfilled and satisfied we'll be with life. So ultimately, at the end of the day, I want men to be better protectors, providers, and presiders. And I'm giving them the tools and the conversations to help them do that. And where do you think in this society that where men are lacking in those main areas, and maybe even specifically to the millennial generation, which, which I'm a part of, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll kind of take the ego out of play that, you know, the, a lot of talk is around being entitled and around being lazy and around, you know, having no patience and being, you know, stuck up and things like that. Like, where do you think generally men in this generation are lacking in some of those areas you're talking about? Uh, I, I think we're, we're lacking in strength and I'm not just talking about physical strength, but I'm talking about emotional and mental fortitude and resiliency. I mean, we really are. I see so many men and women who will crumble at the slightest sign of adversity because they've never been put in a position of challenge and struggle and had to claw and scrape and scratch and punch their way out of that struggle. Everything's been given to people and we're trying to take away the consequences of uh, any negative choices. It's like, we need those consequences. Those consequences are learning opportunities and they, they hurt, they sting, they're not pleasant and it's not comfortable. And yet the more that we can put ourselves in situations where it's a challenge, where it's a struggle, and if we don't succeed, then there are consequences to our choices and we have to live with the full weight of our consequences, the more equipped we will be to uh, be more tough mentally, physically, emotionally, and then overcome those significantly more challenging things that are inevitably going to present themselves in life. You know, I look at my kids and as they have struggles in their lives, whether they're not doing their chores around the house because they're fairly young, or they get into back talking with me or their mother, uh, or some issues at school, well, we allow them to experience the consequences of those choices so that they can learn and they can grow and expand and be stronger next time. So I, I really think there's a big, and it's not just millennials. I, I hear that all the time. It's like, oh, millennials, millennials, millennials. It's like, no, it's everybody. It's everybody who's a, who's trying to avoid consequences. And it's our organizations and our businesses and our parents and the government who are trying to strip away any consequence and, and strip away any challenge that people might face. Challenge is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And it's feedback that we need to improve in our lives. How would you recommend someone can build build up their strength in those scenarios? I completely agree that the for the most part have not been challenged enough. N not nearly what we what people were fifty years ago, hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, and you had to you know hunt all your food and you're dying of all these diseases. It, life is really soft now, and I think you know some ways that people try to do that, or at least what I try to do is I get up really freaking early. I try to push myself and and get you know into a workout, whether it's running or lifting or something every day, um, trying to 
push my boundaries business and career wise with doing this podcast and blog outside of my job. But like, I still sometimes feel like, man, I'm, I'm soft compared to like what I think my grandpa would was like when he was 25. It's like, how else can I or the list work to build up that strength and build up that adversity? So when the challenge comes tomorrow or five years from now, we're ready. Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you you talk about getting up and working out. You talking you're talking about putting yourself in challenging situations, and that's exactly right. The more that we can put ourselves in stressful situations, not dangerous. There has to be a distinction between the two. But the more that you can put yourself in stressful situations, the more that you're going to be able to inoculate yourself against whatever life has to offer. And that depends. It 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 varies from person to person. It could be a physical challenge. Maybe you feel like physically you're not as strong or capable as you would like to be. Cool. Go out and run a Spartan race. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. Yeah, that's the point. The point is to push yourself past your perceived limitations. And yeah, give yourself some time to train, of course, but go out there and, and compete in that. Uh, that's the way that that I started uh, doing Spartan races. I actually, a couple of years, about a year and a half ago now, uh, did a Spartan Agogi, which is a 60-hour endurance event. And before that event, I told myself, I'm not ready for this. I can't do it. I'm going to struggle. And then I realized, oh yeah, that's the point of this whole thing. Otherwise I wouldn't have paid money to go get my butt kicked for uh, 60 hours straight. Right. But you do it, you make it through and you walk away more competent and confident in your abilities to overcome some challenging situations. I have a lot of people who will talk to me about not being confident in their ability to speak in front of other people. And, and that's a challenge for them. Okay, well, go speak in front of other people. Join a Toastmasters organization. Look for opportunities to present. Put yourself out there. Uh, maybe it's a, a project at work or presenting to a, a board or going into your kid's classroom and, and sharing something in, with them and the students there. Like Whatever you can do to put yourself in a very uncomfortable situation, you'll naturally and inevitably get better at it. Uh, some guys will talk to me about their lack of confidence with women. Oh man, if I see a beautiful woman and that I want to talk with, I just clam up. Well, then that's exactly what you need to do. You need <laughs> to go where the, the attractive women are and you need to strike up conversations with them. Oh, I don't know how. Yes, I know you don't know how. That's why you go out and do it so that you can learn and you can get rejected. And it sucks. Nobody wants to get rejected, but you get rejected, which is again, feedback for you to say, well, that didn't work. Let me try something different next time. <laughs> so if, if you're fearful of something or you're afraid of something or something feels scary or challenging, as long as it's not dangerous, that's probably a pretty good sign that you should, you should go towards it. And I, and I use this emotion of fear. A lot of people talk about, oh, fear, 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 fear. Fear is just an indicator that you're about to do something incredibly stupid or something that's simply just going to push you outside of your comfort zone. So determine which it is. If it's stupid, don't do it. If it's just that it's going to push you outside of your comfort zone, again, pretty good indicator that you should run towards that thing as opposed to run away from it. And do you think that that, that skill set of turning off the fear in your mind, pushing through, having the discipline to do that, do you think that is one of your major strengths. It seems like that's that's something that whether it's, I'm sure starting the business was scary. I'm sure going into the military is very frightening and all these different aspects of your life. I feel like that is one of your major strengths. Would you agree with that? That that turning off the fear, is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Maybe it's not you, that you're turning it off, but you're flipping the middle finger to the fear and doing it anyway. 
Yeah, I think that's the better that's the that that's probably a more accurate representation of that because everybody has fear. And we hear these terms like false evidence appearing real. Well, fear is real. So so for you to pretend it doesn't exist is delusional. It it does exist. And it's actually designed for a very positive and clear purpose. It's designed to keep you safe and alive. So to pretend that it just isn't there is a lie in your mind. You you know that it's a lie. You know that it's really there. And so you have this internal struggle of it. So what I would suggest is rather than trying to pretend it doesn't exist is just say, you know what? I recognize this fear is here. What I'm about to do is not going to kill me. I'm not going to be in harm's way. My ego may be bruised and damaged a little bit after whatever it is I'm going to do. But, but I know I'm going to be better for it. So one, an example is about two months ago, I've got a lot of friends who participate in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So about two months ago, one of my friends said, you should join, you should come, you should check it out. I said, okay, well, I know a lot of guys do, and, and it's something that's been on my mind. Martial arts is good at, on every front. So yes, I'll go try it. And I remember being afraid, frankly, of going in and looking foolish and getting hurt and getting my butt kicked and all of the things that come with it. And you know what? All of those things happened, no doubt. But the reward of overcoming the fear was significantly greater for me than the fear that would have previously kept me back. So you have a decision to make. Do you allow the fear to take over and control and dictate the way you live your life? Or do you consciously choose to recognize it, acknowledge it, and then like you said, give it the middle finger and drive on anyways? Yeah. And then I think your body and your mind gets used to and gets into habit of the decisions you make. So if you say, Hey, you know, I'm afraid to go talk to that girl or I'm afraid to go try Brazilian jiu-jitsu and you don't do it, then it becomes habit. And every time you want to do something like that, that you know is good for you, you don't do it. But if you get in the habit of doing it, then it's almost like uh, the car that's going and you just have so much momentum. You go talk to that one girl, you get rejected, then another, then another. And then by the 97th one, you finally have figured out what to say and maybe it works out and, you know, then... You, that becomes your wife or your girlfriend or something like that. So I think it's the habit of identifying, like you said, identifying, realizing there's fear here. Am I going to get hurt? Am I going to die? Probably not. All right, let's do this anyway. It's going to make me stronger. Well, I, I really like what you said about, you know, if you do it once, you're going to do it again. Basically, what you're saying is that whatever you practice, you get better at. So if you practice running away from fear, you're going to get better at running away from fear because your heart, you're, you're literally creating hard wiring and connections, synapses in your brain that now make that the path of least resistance. It, it's, it's like driving down the road. Your tires are going to find the path. They're going to find the little ruts to put themselves in. Our brains do the exact same thing. And so if we constantly run, 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 we're programming ourselves to run in those ruts which are going to produce inevitably the same results, just like the track and the, and the road is going to get us to the same place we've always been. If you want something different, you've got to create new synapses in your brain and create that new road. Yeah. And something that I had been struggling with for a few months was, as I mentioned that I, I get up early, I get up super, probably, like, you know, 445 most days following Jocko Willing's uh, message there. But I got into a habit where I was hitting snooze every day, one, two, three times. And, you know, with the iPhone, that, that time adds up and I'm just sitting there for 
30 minutes not sleeping, not doing anything. And so I put it out there on Instagram at the beginning of the month saying, I will not snooze. If I snooze at all for the entire month, I'm going to sleep on the floor the next night and I'll, I'll show that. And I haven't, you know, I haven't done that, but I think the accountability of putting it out there, the, the firmness, I'm putting my foot on the ground, not like, oh, I'll try not to snooze anymore. It's just like, no, the point, but we're not doing this. Um, I know that's not the same as fear, but I think in terms of changing a habit, sometimes it's just like, it's very binary. You're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. You're either going to eat bread and sugar all the time, or you're not going to eat bread and sugar all the time. Right. And, and it's just a matter of making that decision and then doing it and you're going to mess up. You know, it's easy because again, we come back to the, the, the road with the tracks in it. Like you, you've run that road so many times that it's very easy to continue to do that. And so you're probably going to mess up. You're probably going to hit the snooze button or you're probably going to have that cookie or whatever it is that you're trying to change. When you do recognize that you messed up and then just get back on track as quickly as you possibly can. Don't let those problems compound. We have a tendency to do that. Like, oh, you know, I had, I ate out and I had dessert. And so, well, I just, I did it last night. So I guess I'll do it this morning too. You know, it's like, no, you don't need to compound your problems. Everybody makes mistakes, fix it, correct the behavior and then keep driving on. Yeah, exactly. Well, the first time I heard you was on the MFCEO podcast. Uh, I think it was a couple months ago that you were on there. And um, I remember you talked about how you, your company helps folks maybe create new habits. And I think there were four buckets that you put your life into. I think there were the four C's and you had tactics that you help people in like a 90 day span. I'd love for you to maybe reiterate on that, maybe talk through the process in which you help people, um, you know, make some changes. Yeah, you bet. So I can talk about the the four quadrants that we talk about first, and then I'll talk about what, what I've termed the battle plan. But the four quadrants are Number one is calibration. So calibration is about getting right with yourself. It's your mental, it's your spiritual, it's your emotional well-being. It's finding purpose, mission, clarity in your life. It's just getting right and centered with yourself. So that, that's number one is calibration. And these aren't in any order. But number two is, uh, your, is connection. And so these are the relationships that you have. Relationships with a business partner, colleagues, coworkers, friends, family, uh, romantic partners, spouses, those types of things. So connections is number two. Uh, number three is condition and condition is your physical health. So your strength, your conditioning, your stamina, your sleep, your nutrition, all of the elements that go into your physical health. And then the fourth component is contribution and contribution is about being a man of value. It's about being valuable and then adding value back into the world. Sometimes you'll be compensated for the value that you add. Uh, for example, uh, your work in your career, you're going to be paid to do that. For example, uh, it also could just be giving back to the community and, and, and volunteering to coach teams or to be a, a mentor, or maybe it's uh, spiritual service, ecclesiastical services as well. So that's what contrib or, uh, uh, contribution is. So those are the four, the four uh, quadrants. Do you have any questions on that? No, that all makes sense. And I like the way that you have okay. kind of bucketed that out. Yeah. Well, I think it's important, you know, and, and, and yeah, there's going to be crossover in some of those things, of course, and some things that maybe fall outside of that, but it's, it's the framework. And that's, what's really important is that you have a framework and most people don't, most people just, it's like the shotgun approach It's just whatever happens, just shoot everything you can at it. And hopefully something works and hopefully something sticks and very rarely is it, is it effective and efficient. So having a framework that you can work off of, whether it works for you or not, I mean, you can take something like that and then 
evolve it and morph it and grow it and expand it or tweak it to fit your lifestyle and what it is you're trying to accomplish. But having some sort of framework has always been a big help for me. And I know it's been a help for thousands of other men who have used this framework as well. So what we do once we have the four quadrants is that we start to work through a battle plan. And I think this is where a lot of people fall short is that they know generally what it is they want. You know, if I asked a hundred people today, what is it that you want out of life? I think a lot of people would say, yeah, I want to make some money. Um, I want a family. I want to have some cool experiences and I want to be happy. It's like, okay, well, good. That's a good start. What specifically does that mean? How much money? I don't, I haven't really thought about it. A million dollars? I don't know. Is that, is that what you want? Really? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. You know, or what, tell me what your family looks like. Where are you going to be living? What kind of work are you going to be doing? What are you going to be doing for, for hobbies? When it comes to your health, what does that look like? You want to be strong, but how strong? In what ways? Why do you need to be strong? What do you want to accomplish? So the first step in this is to start to begin uh, to identify some objectives, specific objectives over a 90 day period of what it is exactly that you want. So rather than saying, I want to be strong, maybe your objective is I want to complete a marathon or I want to be able to lift or de deadlift uh, 400 pounds. Good. Now we, now we have a very specific objective that we can actually work towards. So what I have the guys do is I have them come up with uh, objectives in each of the four quadrants for 90 days. And 90 days has been good in my experience because any longer, it's very easy to lose track. It's very easy to, to kind of slow down a little bit because it's just spread out over a long period of time. Uh, so it's short enough to keep your attention span and it's quite uh, long enough to produce some results as well, which you need. So we have the objective. Then from there, what we do is we work into checkpoints. And so you have a 30 day and a 60 day checkpoint because you need to know that I'm on track in 30. If I wanted to uh, run a marathon, for example, and I'll, we'll just use this as a scenario. If I wanted to run a marathon in the next 90 days, well, in 30 days, I, I should be able to run 15 miles, right? Without having to stop in 60 days, I should be able to run 20 or 20 miles, uh, 20 or 21 miles without having to stop. And if you're on that track, then you know, okay, I'm on the right path. If you're not, then you've got to do some tweaking and adjusting in your routine and your schedule, which brings us to this last component, which is tactics and tactics are very, very important. And it's something that so many people overlook. What they'll say is, I want to be healthy, or I want to run a marathon, or I want to be in this relationship, or I want to start this business. And then you ask, how are you going to do that? And it's like crickets. You know, you just draw these blank stares. Oh, I don't I don't know how I'm going to do that. I hadn't thought about that. Probably a pretty good idea, idea that you do. So tactics are the things that you can do every single day without fail that will inevitably produce the results. Most people spend way too much time, attention, and energy on the objective without ever working backwards into the tactics that will yield the objective. So again, let's use the marathon example. I want to run a marathon in the next 90 days. I've got my 30 and 60 day checkpoints in place, and now I need the tactic. Maybe the tactic is week one, I'm going to run two miles every single day without fail. That's very tangible. You can check that off a list. Week two, I'm going to run three miles a day. Week three, four miles a day and so on until you inevitably achieve your outcome. Do you write this down? Is it in your head? Like, do you write every day? Here's my four buckets. Here's my three. Go here's my goal for each one. And today I need to run two miles or is it just like, I know I need to run two miles today. 
No, I, I write it down. I, I write all of this stuff down in a battle plan. This is in, in the book that I wrote, Sovereignty. Uh, but yeah, I, I have a very clear, specific battle plan where I write all of this down. It's all being tracked at the end of every single day. This is one other component I didn't talk about is an after action review. And the after action review is going back and recognizing what you did well, what you didn't do so well, where you need improvement, where you need to expand, where you need to grow so that you can continue to get better moving forward. It's about evaluating objectively your performance throughout the day. And if you don't write it down, there isn't really much that you can measure your performance by. You don't even know what it is you're trying to accomplish, let alone being able to measure it. So you've got to write this stuff down. You've got to track it every day. And then you've got to do the after action review. I think that's money. It's spot on. And I, I do a similar way of breaking it down. And I have buckets that are similar, just call different things. But sure. I guess, you know, one thing that has always stuck out to me and that I've been struggling with is goals that you may not be able to control the entire outcome, right? So like if I want to run a marathon, there's so much research done and there like there's so many plans out there that like, yeah, you you can coach someone and, and if you follow these plans in 90 days, you can run a marathon. Now, if your goal for say the Order of Man podcast is like I want to be the number one podcast on iTunes, that you can't control all that. You can control the content you put out, you can control the work you put in, but you can't control what Joe Rogan puts out there, what the MFCEO puts out there, whomever else. Like, do you ever have goals like that where you're comparing yourself to others or you want to be the best versus just things you can control? Well, let, let's break this down. These, this is a really, really good question. So number one, what does is, what is the best mean? Like, what, that's not tangible. I couldn't, I couldn't explain that objectively to somebody else and them to know what I mean. It, it would get lost in translation because the best could mean number of downloads. It could be the best in your category or the most downloaded in your category. It could be the most relevant. It could be the highest uh, income producing podcast. Like it could mean so many different things. So number one, you haven't quantified it enough to actually give yourself a fighting chance. Okay. So we don't want to say, I want to be the best because that I don't know what that means. I couldn't explain that to my five-year-old and him to say, oh, it means X, Y, and Z. He would, That's a good point. But you're on the right track. I, I just, I want to explain that because I, st- I, I can still answer your second part of the question. Okay. So, so step number one, clarify a little bit more. Step number two, and you're absolutely right. Every goal and objective is going to have an element of uncertainty to it right? Like there's, there's just so many forces at work that you have zero control over. You might get hurt. You might get injured. You might get struck by lightning. Uh, who knows? I mean, there's so many different things that could potentially happen in your life that would keep you from achieving that objective. But this is why it's so critical that we reverse engineer our planning back into tactics because tactics you can control. Right, like I'll, I'll, we'll take the marathon. I want to run a marathon in the next ninety days. Good, okay. That's something that we can focus on. That's the objective. Now we work back into tactics. The tactics are the things that you can control. I can run a mile every day. I can run two miles every day. I can carve out an hour out of every day to work out or to study how this is going to work. Those are things well within my control that I can accomplish. And here's the deal: you might get to ninety days. And flat out not be able to accomplish your objective. Does that make you a failure? Well, it means you didn't accomplish the objective, but that's only a 90-day time frame. 
you can spread that out in the next 90 days. One of my objectives uh, about a year or so ago was, and this was in my uh, condition. So the health objective, physical fitness was to deadlift 400 pounds. Well, I didn't hit it in the first 90 days, but I hit it in the second 90 days. But I, that's because I controlled the tactics and I did everything I could to achieve that outcome. I didn't hit it initially, but I got it later. Does that help clarify a little bit? It does. It does. So if you don't hit it, you either maybe adjust the target or you keep the same target for the next 30 days or I mean 90 days. Right. Maybe your target isn't isn't right or maybe it's no longer relevant. Mm. You know, maybe, things change. maybe you get to see things change all the time. You know, people say, well, what's, what's order a man going to look like in five years? Dude, I don't even know what I'm going to eat for dinner tonight. <laughs> How am I going to know what it's going to look like in five years? All I know is I feel like I'm on the right path right now and I'm going to continue to do what I think is in the best interest of, of the movement and the best interest of the men that I'm working to serve. And that's going to morph and that's going to change. But when we create these plans that are so rigid, we end up pigeonholing ourselves into situations that may not even serve us well anymore. I mean, it may, in the next year, there might be some new technology or new information where it renders what we're doing here completely obsolete. But if I'm so rigid in my planning, I'm going to miss great opportunities that present themselves because I've got this like target fixation that I just shouldn't have. Yeah. I think sometimes that's a trap I fall into where it's like, all right, you know, in five years, I want to have this much amount of money, or I want to be in this position, or I want this is where I I want my life to be like. But you know, if I think five years ago, I would not have thought that I'd be right here having this conversation with you. So I think it just goes to show how much how much changes. So you mentioned you you write it down every day. I'm sure you check at the end of the day or after the task is done. Do you do any sort of mental tactics like like visualization or meditation or anything like that that to help with these goals at all you know i i would like to say yes to that because everybody talks about meditation and i i, I don't <laughs> i i i've tried and people say oh you're well if it's not working you're doing it wrong I, maybe i don't know it just hasn't been something that that has been uh, advantageous, I guess you'd say for me, I, ha- I haven't really done much meditation or, or gotten into that. Um, you know, I, I, every morning I think about, okay, what do I want to accomplish? Because I'm doing my planning, right? Like what is the ultimate objective? What does that look like? What potential challenges could come up? What do I want life to look like? And I spend time, of course, in contemplation at the end of every day, you know, what went well, what didn't go so well, if I were to do it over again, what would I do better? Uh, how, how would tomorrow look? And some people say, well, that's meditation. Great. Okay. That's meditation. Um, but that, that's really my process. I don't, I don't sit in my room for 15 minutes in silence and think, I, I don't, I don't do that. Yeah. Well, I think it's whatever tactic works for you. I mean, for some people it worked for me too. It's, I try to do it, but it's really hard for me to sit still and keep my mind still. So I do, you know, similar things of writing down the goals in the morning, reflecting at night, things like that. So I was just curious, um, on your process. Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely value in it for sure. So what does success look like to you? Uh, well, success ultimately is autonomy. Like that's the only an- right, correct answer to that question, <laughs> right? And and the reason I say that is because it's different for everybody. So yeah, it's autonomy. It's, it's being able to do what you want, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, why you want to do it. And like I said, it's so unique to every individual that the only correct answer can be that. 
Uh, for me, it's being able to spend time with my family when I want to do it. It's being able to take work off and going to watch my my kids' games or being able to coach their sports teams. It's taking uh, last year in December, we went to Hawaii for three weeks and the business was still going and income was still coming in and everything was good while we were gone and on vacation. And to me, that's, that's significance. That's powerful to me. And that's success to me. To somebody else, it might be something completely different. But at the end of the day, it's being able to do what you want, when you want to do it and why and how you want to do it. That's awesome, man. I mean, I think that's a, you're right. It changes for everyone, but I love that definition. And I think it's something that as I'm having this conversation and as I read and listen to your material, it's very clear you, you have your priorities in order and they're not the same priorities as everyone for sure. You know, some people are more driven on, I need to make $10 million or whatever it may be, but the priorities of, and that's not wrong, right? It's, it's whatever you personally want to accomplish. Everyone, it's everyone has their own life. But I think you are someone that you have the priorities set and you put your foot down and say, I, I can't do X, Y, Z because of the, like I saw your, for example, I saw your post last night, like, uh, Hey, I, I wanted to go to sleep or I wanted to call it a day, but no, I told myself I was going to work out. So even if that means I got to go at 9 PM in the garage or the basement or wherever that was, like, I'm going to have to do that. Right. Yeah, it's just it, it is. It's just about priorities. And to your point about you know wanting to make ten million dollars or this or that, like who, what right do I have to tell you what success is or what you should or shouldn't be doing? You you decide that for yourself, and then find the best way to make that happen. You know, as long as it's legal, moral, and ethical, I think it's a great thing. So get after it if it's significant to you. Get it done and have those priorities in place, set the boundaries so that you don't miss those things. Um, and you don't allow other things or other people to get in your way. You know, one of the things I get a lot is people will email me and say, Hey Ryan, will you come on a podcast? You know, I can meet you at six o'clock at night or Saturday morning. And that that's unfortunate, but I don't, I don't do podcasts at six o'clock at night or on the weekends because that's my family time. And so I tell these guys, Hey, if, if you want to make something work throughout the day, and the weekday, I'm happy to do it. I would love to come on the podcast, but I'm not going to do it on the weekends or at night. And and they usually understand that. They respect that. And we get something scheduled during the day. But that's a boundary that I have established that I'm going to stick to because the other things are important in my life as well. Well, I think that goes back to um, you know when we we're talking about the alarm clock or whatever it is, like, it's very binary. And I like that about your system is like, all right, between whatever hours, like, that's when I can do things outside of those hours. I'm with my family or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. So I love that mantra and I love just the the, the mission behind that. Um, as we're closing up here, is there anything that anything new that you've been doing, whether it's uh, a habit or an app or a book or anything that's been top of mind the last few months that uh, has made an impact on your life? Oh man, I try so many different things and I read, I read so much. <laughs> Um, I'm looking at my bookshelf here because it's in my here in my office, and I've got books after books after books. I read a ton as much as I can. I guess that's that's maybe something I would share is that I try to read 30 minutes every single day. Uh, that's how I'm able to read. So, and I like physical books. I don't like digital books. Um, there's just something for me about holding a physical book and being able to write in it and tab and make notes and everything else. So, um, I haven't always been a great reader and I haven't always had the desire to read, but man, we have access to the world's greatest minds. And all we have to do is buy a book and open it and, and spend 30 minutes a day reading it. And you're going to be so far ahead of the curve if you do that, because the bar is set so significantly low 
that in order to set yourself apart, uh, read a little bit, go exercise, don't wake up a little earlier. And man, you're ahead of 99% of the people out there. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, that's actually a habit I picked up the last three months is that's what I do. Uh, I put the phone in airplane mode, maybe 30 minutes before I go to sleep and pick up a book. And um, right now I'm reading um, Own the Day, Own Your Life by Aubrey Marcus, CEO yeah. of On It. I don't know. Have you read that one? Uh, I've read it. I've actually had Aubrey on the show a couple of times. So it's a really good book. Man, he is he's another level. It's a great book. I couldn't recommend it. I think it's relevant for what we're what we're talking about and I think some of the hundred percent that we've been we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. Cool, man. Um why well, you've been super generous with your time. Like I said, I, I love the mission that you have coming out here with Order of Man. For everyone, please you know check out Order of Man, and maybe you can let us know where we can find the podcast site, the book. I know you're doing a lot of great stuff, and you're putting out a lot of not only a quality, but high quantity of content too, a couple of podcasts every single week. Yeah, tr- well, trying to. So I appreciate that you recognize that. But yeah, um, the podcast is a great place. You're listening to a podcast now. So Order of Man, wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll find us there. And then on the website orderofman.com. You'll find everything else that we're doing. And then I'm pretty active on social media, specifically Instagram. That's at my personal Instagram profile, which is at Ryan Mickler. And my last name is spelled M-I-C-H-L-E-R. So if you connect with me there, odds are we'll be able to communicate and talk. And I try to respond to everybody and answer messages. I I try to stay as, as active as I possibly can. So Awesome, man. Well, everyone, you heard the man. Check him out. Instagram, orderofman.com. Ryan, appreciate you being uh, generous with your time. And uh, thanks for sharing everything with us. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on the show. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to that episode. Really hope you liked it. Uh, If you did, if you found any value, wherever you're listening to this, uh, please head on over uh, and give it a five-star rating. Subscribe, review, whether it's on the iTunes app, whether it's on Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, if it's there. Um, really appreciate you. You can find me at tomalamo.com, T-O-M-A-L-A-I-M-O.com for the blog, all the show notes, and Tommy Tahoe uh, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Find me on Facebook. I'm everywhere. So thanks so much. Grateful for you. Have a great week.